Hey listeners, we have a very rare opening for an associate sound designer mixer here at DeFacto Sound. That's my sound design studio and the studio behind 20,000 Hertz. To learn more, visit jobs.defactosound.com. This application window closes on May 22nd. Now, onto the show. You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. Nothing says summer quite like the crack of a baseball bat. Like most major sports, baseball is full of iconic sounds. They're the calls of the umpire, the vendors selling popcorn and hot dogs, the commentary from the announcers, it's at hard to right field, this ball is back and it is gone. But there's one sound that's completely unique to baseball. Or should I say, one song. This song is so well known that virtually every American can sing it, whether we like baseball or not. At least, we can sing the chorus. The verses, well, that's another story. Here's Lizzie Peabody, host of the Smithsonian Side Door podcast. On July 16th, 2008, Dan Piazza got up from his desk at the Smithsonian's National Postal Museum and left work early. He hopped on the metro and set off across town, tucked in his bag a personal invitation to an event at the White House. Well, you had to be on a list and have an invitation. Anyone who had an invitation had to submit their social security number in advance before coming on to the South Lawn of the White House. There on the lawn, he joined the gathering crowd and took a seat under the glaring summer sun. It was hot. It was very hot. They gave out little fans because it was so hot. And how many people, about how many people were there, do you think? I'm certain there were hundreds. There might have been thousands of people on the south lawn of the White House watching this this t-ball tournament. Hundreds, maybe thousands of people gathered in 90-degree heat to watch t-ball. It's kind of like watching the pint-sized World Series. I mean, (laughs) these were really little kids. As delightful as it is to watch six-year-olds heave bats and try to hit dingers, that's not the reason Dan was there. At long last, during the seventh-inning stretch, came the moment he'd been waiting for. President George W. Bush stood with the Postmaster General. Between them, an easel draped in a blue cloth bearing the U.S. Postal Service insignia. The postmaster said a few words. I can't think of a better venue than right here in the White House, the most prestigious field. And then at the appointed time, all the dignitaries sort of tugged on the, on the covering <laughs> and it came down and the, the design of the stamp was, was revealed for the first time. We're going to unveil the stamp. They unveiled the U.S. Postal Service's newest stamp. Did everyone ooh and awe and applaud? Yes. Oh, yes. It was quite a moment. This is a local news report from that day. To celebrate the 100th anniversary of baseball's anthem, the United States Postal Service issued the Take Me Out to the Ball Game stamp. The Take Me Out to the Ball Game stamp showed an old-timey baseball player, front and center. And then behind him, you see the diamond. It says, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And there are a few bars of musical notes. I can't read music, so I assume it's the song. Um, 
but then very patriotic red, white, and blue shields in the corners. And I see in the bottom left corner, it says 1908. And in the bottom right corner, it says 2008. Right. Yeah. Marking the centennial of the song itself. And there on the White House lawn, all the t-ball players and the spectators and the president himself sang together. Because wherever there's baseball, there's Take Me Out to the Ball Game. The song is ranked in the top three most recognizable tunes of the 20th century, next to the national anthem and Happy Birthday. Baseball fan or not, you know this song, or at least you think you do. Because the song you think of as Take Me Out to the Ball Game isn't. The full song, anyway. It's just the chorus to the song. The full song tells the story of a woman named Katie Casey. Katie Casey was baseball mad, had the fever and had it bad. Just to root for the hometown crew, every Sue, Katie Blue. This is George Boswick, retired chief of the music division for the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts. And he also has a very nice singing voice. He says the gist of the song is this. It's about an independent woman who wants to go to the ball game. Here's an early recording of the song, recorded by the Haydn Quartet in 1908. George showed me some pictures that went along with the song that sort of illustrate the story it tells. In the first picture... You've got... Katie Casey's beau coming to her house and knocking on the door, and she's reading this newspaper that says in big letters, Baseball Extra, and she's totally immersed in the, in the sports pages. <laughs> and he comes to the door, and you can see that they're talking, and the words to the song say, on a Saturday, her young beau called to see if she'd like to go to see a show, um, but Miss Kate said no. I'll tell you what you can do, take me out to the ball game. And then you see Katie Casey in the stands, you know, and then you see Katie Casey getting all riled up and putting her fist in the air and shouting. And she's surrounded by men. Uh-huh. And uh, they show scenes of the field and the players. She made the gang sing this song. So, it's a gang. So she's already in tight with the gang. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there it is. There it is. She's in with the crowd, but she's making them do what she wants. Now, today, the idea of a woman hollering at a baseball game isn't unusual. I've done it myself. But at the turn of the 20th century, it was. Ballparks were rough and rowdy places, and George told me many men objected to having women there at all. So why would some men have resented the idea of women at the baseball game? Well, because they were encroaching on, onto the grounds of their so-called exclusive men's club, you know? And that, to have a woman doing that in 1908, was not the usual thing. 
Songwriter Jack Norworth wrote the lyrics to Take Me Out to the Ball Game in 1908. It was the year the Model T Ford came out. Well-to-do ladies carried parasols, wore sweeping skirts, and truly enormous hats, which probably didn't help their popularity at the ballpark. Women were also becoming more independent, gaining more access to education and the workforce. George Boswick believes Jack Norworth's Katie Casey had all the qualities of a modern woman, and the song itself carried a feminist message. But not everyone agrees. He was not a crusader. He was a man who understood that his livelihood was dependent on selling sheet music. This is author Andy Strasberg. He literally wrote the book on this song, along with co-authors Tim Wiles and Robert Thompson. It's called Baseball's Greatest Hit, the story of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Let's go back a little bit. So who was Jack Norworth? Uh, Jack Norworth was a, uh, a composer. Uh, he was an entertainer. He was a singer. Jack wrote tens of thousands of songs. And Take Me Out to the Ball Game was just one of them. Norworth claimed he'd never even been to a baseball game when he wrote the song. He was just rumbling along on the New York City subway one day when he saw a poster advertising a baseball game. And all of a sudden, the idea hit him. And on the back of an envelope, he scribbled the lyrics. But the song was never intended for the ballpark. Most everyone is going to think that, well, take me out to the ball game. It's sung at a baseball game. Well, that's not how it began. It began in vaudeville. Vaudeville shows were a mainstay of American entertainment in the early 20th century. They were like variety shows, featuring theatrical acts, comedy, musical performances, and dancing. Andy says to make his song a hit, Jack Norworth wanted to get his music into as many vaudeville acts as possible, and he was good at that. I think he was a marketing genius, and maybe the best example that I can give of that is that on the sheet music of Take Me Out to the Ball Game, there is a space on the cover of that sheet music that a photograph representing a uh, popular vaudevillian would be seen. So he printed sheet music showing photos of over 30 different vaudeville performers. He worked out a deal with these different vaudevillians. I'll promote you if you promote my song. These vaudevillians would incorporate the song into their acts, and those acts toured the country. Some of these vaudeville shows actually featured professional baseball players. Since playing baseball was seasonal work, some players would join these tours to make money in the offseason. Even Babe Ruth got in on the action. At these shows, the players would wow the audience with stories from their career, and sometimes even sing and dance. And since Take Me Out to the Ball Game was a vaudeville hit, it seems plausible that you could go to a show and hear the song performed by these ballplayers. Meanwhile, you could also hear Take Me Out to the Ball Game in silent movie houses during intermission. While the projectionist changed the film reels, the pianist would play the song, and slides projected on the film screen showed the lyrics so everyone could sing along to the chorus. The spotlight was now on the people who were in the audience. And that, I think, was a good part of why it became so popular and just covered the United States. The song went viral. Within months of its publication, three different recordings of it broke the top 10 in the music charts. It spread across the country. 
Here's one version performed by Edward Meeker. Katie, Katie saw all the games, knew the players by their first names, told the umpire he was wrong all along, good and strong. So in 1908, there's no Spotify, there's no internet, there's no vinyl records, commercial radio isn't a thing yet. How did a song go viral in those days? First of all, you have to understand the business of music. A music store had sheet music that surrounded an upright piano in the middle of a store. In those days, if you wanted to listen to music at home, you pretty much had to play it yourself on the piano. So if you heard a song that you liked, say, at a show, or at a movie theater, you'd go to a music store and look for it amid the shelves of colorful sheet music. Which was designed in order to capture people's attention. Like wine labels. Exactly. So people would go in and pick out some of the sheet music, and then they'd walk to the middle of the store and hand it over to somebody who was playing the piano, and then they would listen to it. And if they liked the song, they'd pay 10 cents and take it home with them. And a lot of people went home with Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Over six million, to be exact. Now, it's entirely possible that Jack Norworth wrote a song he thought would be a hit with no feminist message at all. But George Boswick, who sang for us earlier, says there's one more piece of the puzzle called Trixie Friganza. In 1907, the year before he wrote Take Me Out to the Ball Game, Norworth runs into Trixie Ferganza, who was a very well-known vaudeville star. Here's a recording of Trixie performing a vaudeville number with a double bass. A little girl named Lulu went down to Honolulu to learn to do the hula, hula hoo. Besides being a vaudeville star, Trixie Ferganza was a huge activist, feminist in the suffrage movement. Remember, this was the early 1900s. The women's suffrage movement was gaining momentum in New York City, and Trixie was part of it. She was attending rallies at City Hall. She was giving speeches, and they began a heated affair. Norworth may not have been a known women's rights activist, but he was definitely keeping amorous Congress with a woman who was at the time that he wrote Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And the independent, vocal, politically-minded Trixie Friganza, like Katie Casey, would probably have felt pretty comfortable at a ball game. They say imitation is the highest form of flattery. And if that's true, Jack Norworth must have felt pretty flattered because Take Me Out to the Ball Game spurred the production of 22 new baseball songs the year after it was published. And a lot of those songs seized on the theme of ladies at the ballpark. It unleashed a flood of baseball songs about taking your girl to the game. George rattled just a few examples off the top of his head. You have Take Your Girl to the Ball Game in 1908, The Baseball Game of Love in 1909. Then you have two songs called I Want to Go to the Ball Game, (laughs) another song Back to the Bleachers for Mine, then uh, 1911, I'm Baseball Crazy Too, You've Made a Home Run with Me, I've Been Making a Grandstand Play for You. 
But these copycat songs all feature romance at the ballpark. The women aren't there because they love baseball. They're there for a man. They're all about, I want to go to the ball game with you, my boyfriend, because I love what you love, you know? And you look so great when you're at the ball game. I want to be in the ballpark with you. Mm, they basically wrote love songs set at a baseball game, but it's still about yeah. getting the girl yeah. or getting the guy, as opposed to a woman yeah. in a position of leadership. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe the best example of this is a song by George M. Cohan, which came out just days after Take Me Out to the Ball Game. It's called Take Your Girl to the Ball Game. At the shout of play ball, I'm just daffy, that's all, as I sit with my queen like a king with her pencil in hand. She's got a scorecard in her hands and a pencil. He's going to teach her to keep score. Take your girl to the ball game any old And the later verses say that he wants 10 kids and he wants nine of them boys so he can have a baseball team. And by the time his wife, Mame, is 80 years old, she's still going to be grateful for that day at the ballpark when she was taught the rules of the game. Wow. You know, it's, it's a crazy song, you know? George says... Of all the other songs about women at the ballpark, there was not another song that was written with the same message of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. It gave empowerment in a song for a woman to attend the game, not only as an equal participant, but in leading the crowd, rooting for the home team. It's a very powerful message. Whether it was savvy marketing, its feminist message, or the catchy sing-along chorus, Take Me Out to the Ball Game struck a chord with Americans. Just to cheer up the boys she knew, she made the gang sing this song. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. George says the baseball-mad Katie Casey was the first person ever to sing the song at the ballpark. She did it in the song. But it would take a few more decades for everyone else to catch up. So how did this song go from being a vaudeville hit to a staple at Major League Baseball games? And what about that other famous baseball tune? That's all coming up after the break. The hardest part of starting a business is coming up with a great idea. For every air fryer, video doorbell, or smart speaker that's sold in huge numbers, there are thousands of others that never made it. So that's the hard part. Now, here's the easy part. Selling online with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. You don't need to know how to code or understand anything about design. And you definitely don't need a degree in accountancy. Just choose the template you like, upload some descriptions and images, and you're ready to start selling. You're probably already using Shopify and don't even realize it. That's because, according to their own data, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Huge companies like Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen use Shopify, along with millions of other entrepreneurs from 175 countries around the world. Here's how you can get started. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash 20k, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash 20k now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash 20k. Congratulations to Davis Caraway for correctly guessing last episode's mystery sound. That's the Major League Baseball theme on Fox Sports. It was written by Scott Schreer, who also composed the NFL theme for Fox. In 2010, the NFL theme actually replaced the official theme for all Fox Sports broadcasts, including the MLB theme, for nine years. After almost a decade of sitting on the bench, the MLB theme made a triumphant comeback in 2020. And here's this episode's mystery sound. Howdy do. This is Peter McAllister. If you know what that sound is, submit your guess to the web address mystery.20k.org. Anyone who guesses it right will be entered to win a super soft 20,000 Hertz t-shirt. If you're not really a t-shirt person, we have some pretty slick 20K hats in the store right now. They have our cool logo on it, and you can choose between a classic cap, a flat brim cap, and even a beanie. Check them out at 20k.org shop. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For me, the hardest part of hiring is narrowing down the search, and that's where Indeed can help. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million visitors every month. That makes it the world's largest platform for finding skilled staff. In fact, during the time it'll take me to read this ad, 23 people will have been hired on Indeed. Whenever we list a job, we get a lot of applications. So many of them are from brilliant and talented people. But it can be really hard to have those applications rise to the top. With Indeed's smart matching engine, that process becomes a lot easier. And over time, the matching engine learns your preferences. The more you use it, the more efficient it becomes. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers said that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Right now, our listeners can get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Hertz. That's Indeed.com slash H-E-R-T-Z. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Take Me Out to the Ball Game is the most well-known piece of baseball music, but it's not the only one. For instance, there's the classic Charge Fanfare, which was composed in 1946 by a junior at the University of Southern California. That little ditty was written on the fly by Thomas Walker, who played trumpet in the marching band. It was likely inspired by the first call bugle piece that's used in horse racing and by the U.S. military. Pretty soon, the charge fanfare became a staple at USC football games. Then, in 1959, the general manager of a new football team went to one of their games. When he heard the chant, he liked it so much that he decided to name his team the Chargers. The Chargers in their first year won the Western Division Championship. 
These days, that fanfare is commonly played on the organ at hockey and baseball games. It usually starts with an ascending intro that ramps up into the main melody. Here's organist Nancy B. Hefley playing it at Dodger Stadium. But while shouting charge with the crowd is great, it can't compete with belting out the chorus of a song and not caring what you sound like. Here's Lizzie again. If you've ever gone to a Major League Baseball game, you'll know there's a pause in the game during the seventh inning. It's called the seventh inning stretch. The entire stadium stands and sings together. Take me out to the ball game. But Andy Strasberg says that wasn't always the case. When did the song first make it into a baseball stadium? Well, we weren't able to find out the exact date, uh, but it was played live at certain ball games in the 1930s. And then it started to pick up popularity uh, through the 40s. The ballpark organ made its debut at the Chicago Cubs Wrigley Field in 1941. And through the following decades, organ music took off in ballparks around the country. Take Me Out to the Ball Game would have been one of many songs fans heard at the park. But it was the pop culture appearances outside the stadium that turned it from popular hit to American classic. Take Me Out to the Ball Game became a classic uh, in the late 40s when Frank Sinatra starred in a movie coincidentally called Take Me Out to the Ball Game and <laughs> opens up the movie singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Because it's one, two. Three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Now, keep in mind, Frank Sinatra was the number one singer in this country. Andy says throughout the 50s and 60s, every time the song's popularity waned, something would happen to bring it back. Like in 1955, I Love Lucy featured a cameo by one of the Marx Brothers. Harpo Marx played a serenade of Take Me Out to the Ball Game, beautifully done on his heart. Wow. And in 1965... Jerry Lee Lewis played Take Me Out to the Ball Game in a rocking way that is still to this day so incredibly hip. And when the camera pulls out, you can see Neil Sedaka playing Take Me Out to the Ball Game on a piano that's on top of Jerry Lee Lewis's <laughs> piano. It doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> But it wasn't until 1977 that Take Me Out to the Ball Game transformed from American classic to ballpark ritual with the help of a woman named Nancy. Okay, Nancy! Nancy Faust was 23 years old when she started playing organ for the Chicago White Sox. And you've actually been hearing her play all throughout this episode. And she says she feels a bit of kinship with the fictional Katie Casey. I can relate a little bit because when I got my job in 1970, there was a petition circulated that um, this is not the place for a woman, uh, the role of a, that a woman should have. Really? 
yes, what would a woman know about baseball? And they were kind of right. I mean, I did learn, though. (laughs) (laughs) Nancy is a legend among ballpark organists and has been called the greatest of the last half century. But when she first got the job, she didn't know a whole lot about baseball. What she did know is how to play just about any song she'd ever heard by ear. And this talent, along with her sense of fun, was a big part of what made her so good at her job. It became a game to associate players' names with songs. Like, what's an example? Um, well, let's say if a player's name was Ducey, I'd play the theme from I Love Lucy. Or let's say a player dated Madonna, so I'd play a Madonna song. Streaker ran out in the field, I'd play Is That All There Is. <laughs> Cat runs out in the field, I'd play Scratch Fever. So it was just... Uh, something in a lyric, I'd pick out a word in a lyric that was associated with whatever was happening. Nancy was playful, and she used the organ to add her own musical commentary to the games. A year after Nancy started playing ballpark organ, the White Sox hired legendary baseball commentator Harry Carey. I knew how popular he was, and so I was out Centerfield Bleachers, and I brought a small radio so I could listen to his broadcast during the game and maybe gain some insight, you know, just the terminology. And you were still learning about the game at that point, too, right? Exactly, exactly. But I, I remember hearing him on the radio say, oh, my gosh, this game is going so slowly. I, they're going to have to carry me out of here, he said. And when I heard that, it was just a knee-jerk reaction. Was I played carry me back to old Virginia. And when he heard that, he said, oh, listen to the organist. Why, even the organist wants to get out of here. Well, he didn't even know who I was at the time. Nancy got Harry Carey's attention that day, and he told management to move her from way out in center field to directly behind home plate. That's when he said, why don't we bring her back where she can be enjoyed and seen more? From her new vantage point, Nancy could see into Harry Carey's booth, and the two could play off each other. The owner of the White Sox, Bill Veck, noticed that whenever Nancy played Take Me Out to the Ball Game, Harry Carey sang along to himself. That's how it started. Harry would sing along with Nancy Faust. But owner Bill Veck knew announcer Harry Carey wouldn't agree to sing in front of the whole stadium, so he got sneaky. Bill Veck snuck a microphone in there, and the next thing Harry Carey knew is when he started singing, it was going out over the PA, and the fans joined in. Be out to the crowd. And as soon as uh, Harry Carey heard himself, he couldn't stop, and everyone was looking at him. That sounds like a new version of my worst nightmare. They heard this fellow thing that was not intimidating. He wasn't that good, but he conveyed this hearty-like atmosphere and convinced everybody they're having a good time. And uh, it's just that whole atmosphere changed. It was very electric. That's what made it such a tradition. Pretty soon people are saying, well, I can't leave even though we're losing 12 to 1. Got to wait to sing with Harry. Then I'll go home. It became an institution. The stadium-wide sing-along fans could expect every game. When Harry left the White Sox and went cross town and started doing the games for the Chicago Cubs, that was broadcast nationally. They would not go away for a commercial. The whole country could hear him sing. Mm. And I, I think that just was contagious. It's a song that belongs, in a sense, to the entire game. 
not to a particular league or a particular team or even a particular player. Smithsonian's National Postal Museum Chief Curator Dan Piazza again. Do you know of many other postage stamps that feature songs? I can't really think of any. No, no. This is probably the only U.S. postage stamp that honors a specific song. From its earliest days, Take Me Out to the Ball Game was a song meant for many voices. And Andy Strasberg thinks that's a big part of why it's lasted so long. Whether it be a ball game or a, a movie, now the audience gets to be the star. And so the spotlight is shine on them. And just like that, strangers become an ensemble. That was the great thing about the song is that no matter what our differences were, this is something we could all agree on. It just unified everybody. It was very positive. Of all the baseball songs, and we know now there were many, this is the one that has endured, from the vaudeville stage to the White House lawn. George Boswick says the original verses to the song may have faded away, but it still carries a message. It has this democracy built into it. It's an invitation for everyone to be part of the game. Take us home, Nancy. That story came from Side Door, a podcast from the Smithsonian. On that show, host Lizzie Peabody sneaks listeners through the Smithsonian's side door to search for stories that can't be found anywhere else. In recent episodes, they've investigated a mysterious note hidden in a violin case and explored the impact of a groundbreaking emoji. To hear more, subscribe to Side Door right here in your podcast player. Extra special thanks to the magnificent Nancy Faust, who scored today's episode with her organ playing. Thank you to the Red Skies Music Ensemble for sharing their recordings of those early baseball songs you heard. This episode was produced by Justin O'Neill, James Morrison, Natalie Boyd, Ann Kananen, Caitlin Schaefer, Jess Sodic, Lara Koch, Sharon Bryant, and Tammy O'Neill. Extra support comes from John, Jason, and Genevieve at PRX. Our show is mixed by Tarek Fuda. 20,000 Hertz is produced out of the sound design studios of DeFacto Sound. Hear more at defactosound.com. Additional material for this episode was written and produced by Andrew Anderson and Casey Emerling. It was sound designed and mixed by Brandon Pratt. I'm Dallas Taylor. Thanks for listening. The, the doorbell to my home plays Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Doesn't, wait a minute, are you, doesn't everybody's doorbell play Take Me Out to the Ball Game? <laughs>